Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob. Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch. This week we did 2013's Francis Ha with myself, Rob Whiting, and this also red-shirted dude right here. Brady Larson. And uh, TMGB sweatshirt-wearing motherfucker. Grandy Smith. The grandest of Smiths. For some reason I was expecting you to say Grando Carizian and then you said Grandy <laughs> Smith, and then I was like, wait. Is that his name? <laughs> and I have not gone by Ca- Grendel Calrissian in years. I know, but I mean, I thought that was your name, and when you said a different name, I was kind of thrown for a loop because I thought that was that. Okay, well, um, given <laughs> <laughs> given that your name is what it is, and I didn't know it was that for a while. Uh, yeah, because I've never heard the Smith attached to the Grandy. Well, you didn't know his last yeah. name was Smith? No, I I know I did, but whenever I saw Smith, I saw Legrand instead of Grandy. Yeah, it flows better with the Legrand. Right. Well, and also I just saw your name on the schedule all the time because mm. I checked to see if you were working with me, and so it would be like uh, Legrand Smith, and I'd be like, yeah. So for you to be like Grandy Smith, I'm like, wait, that's not right. It's either Grando Calrissian or Legrand Smith. It's a big world out there, Rob. I know, and this is really good pod. Um, this week we <laughs> did 2013's Francis Ha, as I said before, um, and um, uh, I really want to do the plot synopsis for this one. Yeah, you think you can? Uh, I think I'm going to do it less crazily than we have in the past. we got to get de- less detail-oriented, but at the same time it's too bad because there are a lot of cool details in the story. Yeah. Like, uh, well, anyway, let me let me do it. All right, so... This story follows the story of Francis Ha. Say Ha something. There's Halliday. Halliday. There Halliday. you go. Uh, Francis Ha. <laughs> Halliday. Um, anyway, we start off with her, and she's living with her roommate, and uh, they're like the bestest of friends, and it's awesome. And uh, then her boyfriend asked her to move in with her, and she's not ready for that. Um, and then shortly thereafter... Her roommate moves out to go live with somebody else. And basically, it's a story about somebody who's uh, gotten out of college, been out of college for five years. But much like people in our generation are really kind of wandering aimlessly and not really knowing what's up with life. And they don't have their shit together. Um, So she goes basically through a series of different phases um, and interacts with a number of different characters each who have a varying degree of their shit together, be it through whether or not they're rich. Like, she goes and lives with this guy named Levi. Levi or Lev? Uh, Lev. Lev and, and Ben. Benji. Benji. Okay. It was the Ben character who had the extra on his name and the Levi character who had less. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Okay. So, yes, that is telling on its own, isn't it now? Anyway, um, those guys are mostly rich or come from rich families, so they don't really have anything to worry about. They're just kind of carefree dudes then her here's her friend who she basically reiterates over and over again throughout the entire film is just her with different hair and glasses i guess because she doesn't mention that but she has glasses anyway um 
Yeah, but she's moving on with her life, maybe not happily, maybe not on purpose. Uh, she's just doing it because it's the next thing to do, which is to get married to one of the many people she's dated over time. Or maybe somebody she, maybe the only person who's dated, don't really talk about how many different people, uh, Sophie, her best friend of Francis, has dated. At any rate, um, basically she starts to figure out herself um, throughout the film, and she's interacting with a bunch of people who haven't figured themselves out, but on different levels posture like they have. What are you saying? Francis has figured herself out? Uh, almost by the end of the movie. I mean... Or, well, okay. She doesn't pretend that she's figured herself out more than she has. She just owns it. I don't know. We'll, we'll so get anyway, into that. that's my synopsis. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Well, I guess that brings us to... Hey, 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 Rob, what did you think of Francis Ha? Well, they're pumpy. I thought it was good. Real good. I mean, I had to watch the whole thing trying not to cough. Because I didn't want to miss a line. I'll give this movie a B. And I'm going to have to digest it a little bit more. I think as the episode rolls along, things will spring to mind. That will cause me to talk quite a bit. But if you just want me to give an overview of the film, like halfway through the film, I thought I had it perfect and down. So I'm like, I'm going to do the plot synopsis this week. And then I did it, and I was like, well, I didn't have it as together as I thought I did. So once my brain churns through a little bit more, I think it'll be easier. B. Grando. Grando Carizian. Uh, I think I'll, I'll give this one a B plus um, or or an A right in between those. Uh, I thought it was like a good simple movie, um, but the story flowed really well, and uh, there were some lessons to be learned. I thought. Uh, what do you think, Brady? Um, okay, so I give this movie an A. It's my number five of the year, and uh, honestly, I I think on rewatch it it really holds up. Uh, and what's good about it is. I think it's both expansive and very detailed. So, like, there's a, this great kind of coming-of-age thing, and it really does tap into our, our generation well. And a lot of the people who have criticized it, see their problems seem to stem mostly from that, this, like, you know, white people problems, basically. Like, young white 20-somethings who are more or less well-off, but maybe a bit directionless. Like, how deep is that? But I... I think it also is about something bigger, about kind of fumbling toward grace and kind of figuring yourself out. And I think it does that in a way that that speaks to to more than just the kind of person Frances Ha herself is. Uh, So, yeah, no. And when I wasn't emotionally moved, I was laughing a lot. I forgot how much I laughed at this thing. So, yeah, I think it's emotionally honest and often funny and. uh, Yeah. And Greta Gerwig's a fabulous actress and I can't wait to see more of her. This is only my second time seeing her. But yeah, no, no, I, I really, really love this movie. Cool. What was your letter grade? Oh no, I, I give it an A. Yeah, I think it's Noah Baumbach's best. I, sen- I it beats out Squid and the Whale for me, and that's a fabulous movie. I agree with that. Squid and the Whale was good, but uh, not as good as this one. It's interesting, shot in black and white, though. I think it's really beautiful. 
But I mean, why? Why did they shoot black and white? What kind of film did he use? Well, we can get into that uh, for the segment that we do every week about films called What's It All About? I need to make a sting for that still, but for now we just suffice for me doing my Rip Burger or Malcolm Corley voice. <laughs> Malcolm Corley is the best guy in all the land. <laughs> now, what's it all about, Rip Burger? Uh, I think you should go first, since uh, maybe we'll keep the order. You did first for... I don't have an answer. I think you should go first. Okay. All right, yeah, I'll go first. We'll reverse the clock. Turn back the clock, as I'm sure Frances Ha wishes she could do sometimes. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, what's this movie about? Uh, In a plot way, the way it begins for us, kind of the first half of the movie, I'd say, it's about friendships morphing. And I think it's a really moving tale of of that. Kind of one that stands uh, with the social network, but in the end is much less bitter. Uh, but it's about, yeah, the like friendships changing as people change. But after that, it's also, I think, it's also about uh, this feeling of kind of being adrift uh, and then this painful process of just making better decisions for ourselves. And then at the center, I think it's in the title. It's about its character and kind of her stumbling awkwardly toward Grace. But And she's a fascinatingly awkward character. But at the end, I think there's something beautiful about her kind of turning a a trip into something half graceful and, and moving on. And that's what the title is about uh, to fill you in the title. We don't find out until the end. We don't even find out her last name until the end. Uh, she finally is able to afford her own place and she makes a name tag for her mailbox and it's too small to fit her entire name, Francis Halliday. So she ends up having to fold the thing and it just says Francis Ha. And I think it's kind of this, uh, maybe botching your life a little bit feeling like, you're late in the game and haven't put any real stake together, but kind of uh, saving that and about the process of always being able to save your life and turn it around. And yeah, just stumbling our way forward, which I think is an important post-recession message. So yeah, that's what it's all about. Grandy, what do you think it's all about? I thought, I thought it was all about just, following the main character and that time in her life and uh, her perception of her relationship with the person she thought was her best friend and how as time went on they went off and did their own things but regardless just life went on and no matter what she did uh, her friend just did her own thing and when she stopped trying to make something happen uh, things worked out. Uh, so yeah, it's a story about how just life kind of makes its own course. Nice. I felt like it was about a person living outside the boundaries uh, that one is supposed to live inside of, you know, after they get out of college. All right, snooze button's done. You need to, like, get your shit together, go get a job, or go get married, or both or so forth and so on, and that Frances kind of didn't settle for any of that. She encounters a bunch of characters in the film who have settled for one thing or another. Maybe they're truly happy doing what it is, but, you know, they kind of... The film, the the cinematic language of the film almost insinuates that they're not. Because, like, you know, she just talks, she just says whatever comes into her head as time goes on, and then everybody goes like, 
You're not supposed to do that. You're living outside the boundaries of social this or that, you know? And I feel like um, she finally does acquiesce to maybe going that way and, and fitting into those uh, when she kind of settles down and just starts to feel herself and starts to get a little accomplishment at the end of the film, you know, doing the thing that she wanted to do and so forth and so on, stops relying on the other people. And um, so, yeah, everything gets put in a nice, neat little box, as does she. But somehow the person who she is, her name, doesn't seem to fit inside the box. Is the final message of the film, the final thing. Hmm, that's that's interesting because it, it's got some stuff I agree with, but I, I also am totally kind of on the opposite end of things. Because keep in mind, uh, like at the end of the day in the film... She chooses to perform her art, but her art isn't even getting her money. So it's like, but it's kind of, I thought about this compromise process. I mean, in that way, you're right. It is about compromise, but kind of like finding something to cherish in that. Like you see how happy she is when she's just able to have her own place. Like just the process of, she says early in the movie when she has her date with uh, this character, Lev, one of the guys she moves into the apartment of when Sophie leaves that, you know, I... I don't have a credit card that works. I'm not a complete person yet. And so I think there's this sense of like, I, well, yeah. I'm not able to sustain myself yet. And there's, I think it's more about the victory of being able to sustain yourself. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's what she comes to by the end of the film is like, you know, first she's with, uh, she's been a long time with, um, what's her name? Sophie. Sophie. Uh, she's been a long time with Sophie. And so she's not a whole person because Sophie is the part of her that takes care of her. She can't even take care of her own arm like when she scrapes it and tries to find it. Then like on that date, Ben uh, from then on, is it Ben and Lev? Oh, Lev and Benji. Benji and Lev. Okay, Benji. It's Benji, right? Yeah. Yeah. She becomes close with Benji. Benji's kind of the person who takes care of her in the intermittent portion. Yeah. And then... When she goes to France, that's the first time that she spent two days taking care of herself. I didn't read the France scene that way. I mean... Well, I mean, she never does end up meeting with anybody in France. She just kind of flounders in the nether regions and doesn't enjoy Paris. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, if anything, she doesn't... She's not really taking care of herself in that trip because the idea of the trip itself... she's taking care of herself. She's managed to just be fine. What, fine? She's not... Well, no, I disagree. Well, she's not not fine while she's in Paris. I mean, okay, so can we talk about the trip to Paris? That's a pretty seismic scene, and it's a pretty emotional scene, I think. Or it's a segment. It's like probably 10, 15 minutes of the film. Yeah, but least. it might have been a little long because there wasn't that much to it. No, but I, there's a lot to it. This is a big emotional thrust because I, I think this movie has a really good emotional arc of kind of, you know, we come to love this character... But we also want her to make the right decisions, and sometimes she doesn't. And this trip to Paris is like, I think it's a poetic, like, just summation of the bad decision. She doesn't have any money. She's crashing on someone's couch, and she has a five-week deadline to find a place to live. But because she goes to this dinner party and gets embarrassed by the rich bourgeoisie she's eating with, she makes up that she's going to go to Paris because one of them has an apartment she can stay at. And so I figured that by the end of that, she just decided that she was going to do that. And she was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm not even 
Like, because halfway through, she's not planning on doing that, and she's been sitting there with the rich bourgeoisie, and then by the end, she goes, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to Paris tomorrow. Well, there is a little bit of that, but it's also, I think, that dinner scene is extremely painful and awkward because her pride is very bruised by having to deal with these people, with the woman just constantly talking about her baby, with kind of... and. Having I mean, to the, hear about Sophie moving to Japan on I mean, the fly. I mean, she's almost better off than those women, and it's very clear that she's better off by those women. By like, like that woman is complaining about her trip back from Paris with her baby was so hard. It's like the, the oh no, yeah, humble we, brag ever. And like, if she's really making misery out of that sort of lifestyle, which is what people do actually when they have a really nice, awesome lifestyle, um, basically she's not even. Like, Francis is more happy just, like, being outside the box and pulling out a total credit card and just being like, fuck it, I'm going to Paris. And almost a more self-realized character at that point and doing that trip than she has been prior to in the entire movie. But the trip is a disaster, and only part of that is because she can't get a hold of her friends. But she also takes sleeping disaster. pills, bungles waking up, t- misses half of her for her only whole afternoon in the city, Ends up seeing Puss in Boots at one point because she has nothing else to do. It's sad, and we get that it's partly misconnection, which is emphasized when we find out that Sophie is going to have a going-away party back in New York. And poor Francis, due to pride, I would say, has gone to Paris you know, with no money. I think that she went to Paris, just like everybody else does, and just kind of hung out and did not much. Because the only alternative is doing all the touristy shit, and that she just realized, oh, when they come to Paris and they stay in their apartment, they do the same kind of shit. Like, they're not doing anything special by being in Paris. They're just saying they're in Paris, and they have an apartment in Paris. I I feel like, and this is just my opinion, I feel like you're reading more iconoclasm and more punk into Francis than is part of it. I think her punk is almost graceful and accidental because she's not this snarling, just nah character. What makes her kind of special and poetic and Wait, say that again? She like this eh. what? Oh. I think you're reading too much iconoclasm into Francis, where I think her iconoclasm or more her subversion, kind of her not fitting in as much, is more of an accidental thing. And I think it's kind of more this like graceful, awkward swan kind of deal with her. It's not that she's this punk snarl against like, I don't have any money. Well, I don't give a shit. I'm going to fuck these rich people over. Like, fuck you, rich people. I'm going to Paris. I think it's more like she's no, it's fighting just, to find her place in the world. Right. And, and she's, she's like surrounded so I'm by these do prideful what, people. Right. So she's like, I'm going to do what these people do. And then she went there and realized it wasn't all that much shit. I mean, it was just like, all right, well, you're just in Paris now. But it wasn't that. But it was also that she only had one day there. I mean, because think of the final like painful punchline at the end. You kind of wince and laugh. She gets back. She goes back to have an interview with her old uh, the dance professor she studied under, and the dance professor's like, "Oh, you know, I I almost skipped today. Like I was gonna maybe take the day off. It's like, well, I only canceled my expensive trip this early to come back to see you. Right, but that's fine." But it's that just shows her further disconnect from knowing what people do, and that if she just called and said, "You know, I'm in Paris, and I don't often get to Paris, and I have this free place, can we please reschedule the meeting that we scheduled three and a half months ago for a different day of the week?" That that uh, that person would have been, and that's just normal and customary that if you made that phone call, that person would be like, "Yeah, of course." 
We'll just do it next week. It's not a big deal. I'm going to be here every day. I get, I'm getting paid while I'm here. Um, the, the whole point of that particular exchange was just noticing that despite the fact that Frances can now take care of herself on her trip to Europe and like doing that and just realize that it's not actually that big of a deal and that rich people just go to Europe and go, hmm. And that's kind of what traveling is. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, once she realizes that, then um, she's uh, still, they, they have to make the point and go like, look, man, you, you still can't quite do the thing uh, where you understand that you could have just stayed longer if you wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry. I do have to disagree with, with some of this. Because to me, the, the <laughs> with some of what? Okay, well, to me, this is a movie like about this gradual kind of painful process of becoming an adult, of becoming a real person, and learning to take care of ourselves. And to me, that Paris trip, that sad, sad, aborted, botched Paris trip, is the absolute like death valley of her being able to take care of herself. I it's thought it her, was just her realizing that these rich people don't. No, like, she makes a stupid decision. They're not actually doing anything. She when makes a decision. Basically, here's how I'd sum it up in a sentence. She makes a bad decision to go experience what rich people get to experience for three days. Part of that is on a plane, and the one full day she ends up sleeping through. Because she's, and that's what it's about is just like she's working through this, and she kind of makes bad decisions. And I think that just makes her a more real and whole person and is to the movie's quality. But like that Paris trip is. Is a sad moment to me. So, what do you think, Randy? Do you think the Paris trip is a bad thing or a good thing? Uh, I, th- I think the trip was a was a good thing, because because uh, she learned things from the trip. She went to Paris to have a good time and hang out with some old friends, and the old friends were busy doing their own things because they were old friends and doing their own thing, and. Uh, yeah, and so she just went to Paris just to do nothing. Uh, and she learned stuff while she was there. That's what rich people do when they go to Paris, too. I mean, I am with Grandy on this. Like, I think it's a huge growth experience. And you're right about the friend thing. That probably gave her some perspective on, you know, because this movie partly is about which friendships you keep and friendships evolving. Uh, but, you know, I can't go as far as to say that it was... Um, she, well, here's it's the thing. Positive she experience. doesn't have any goddamn fun on this thing. I mean, she didn't realize it was uh, was a positive experience, but I mean, it was basically yeah. her just having the same experience that anybody else who goes to. It's, it's a growth experience, almost like me, you know, crashing my car is a growth experience. I mean, not Everything quite is. as bad, but you learn from painful things, but it's a painful thing. No, it wasn't a painful thing. It was fine. It was just like uneventful. There wasn't anything like like horrible that happened to her while she was in Paris. She puts just herself in debt happened. just to do it. She puts there's an immense amount hanging on this trip, if only because she puts herself in debt to do it. Yeah, and she had, why is putting she yourself in debt to do some? I, I okay. Here's the thing. I think um, this is the uh, the colorful thing about this black and white film, which is that ah, uh, I it, like that it takes a shade of gray and exhibits that in the film and then people like me and Brady argue about what was actually going on because it's not very clear because it's gray and I color it with my feeling which is the fuck's the problem with like borrowing some money everybody's in some debt or another and 
it just doesn't matter. And if you do that and then the thing that you purchased with it isn't all that you thought it would be, well, now you know more. And now you won't do that again. Well, yeah, I, I will say Francis is a pretty damn good avatar for our generation. And and so being in a little bit of debt isn't a big deal. For you, it sounds like it's a very big deal. Like for, for I'm 60000 in debt. I take that shit seriously. Right. And I'm maybe 3000 left in debt. And uh, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and I'll just get rid of it when it's convenient. <laughs> yeah, you should. Well, I mean, it's it's really easy because at this point in time, it's no interest. So that's good. And if anything ever turns into interest, then I move it to somewhere else that's no interest. I'm sorry, There's Rob. No can you open my cider? <laughs> Would you? Wait, you're drinking what now? I'm drinking cider on a cold winter's night. Are you? Now? Thank you, Grandy. Huh. Huh. Thank you, Granddad. <laughs> Ezog man. What did you say out there? Um, sorry, you were explaining the name of the show. Did you say Ezog man? You know, he runs around. He's like, oh, 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 oh. oh it looks like you've it looks like you've shrunk into your seat now. Oh, you've almost disappeared. You've ducked your head way down. All right, great for shouting out at the man on the stage. Um, good job. Uh, we were talking about whether or not it was a negative or a good experience, and I was saying, hey, Brady, it's just a negative experience for you because you haven't had much luck with getting out of debt, and it's not a negative experience for me because, I don't know, if I, I'm in debt, then I like work real hard for a few months, and then I get out of debt, and then sometimes I get in debt, and I go, okay, well, as long as there's no interest at this point in time, I'll just work real hard before there is interest. And, and get rid of it. Okay, but suffice to say this, she makes a big commitment to have this trip, and I'm telling you, she doesn't get to have an ounce of fun. Not one ounce. Yeah, but she it's went to It's filled Paris. with hotel rooms and airports exactly. and she closed gets bookstores. She gets to do exactly what the rich people did when they went to France. They didn't have an ounce of fun either. They had to take care of their baby on a six-hour flight. They did As, have fun, though. No, they didn't. Because they can stay for more than a weekend. But that's the whole point, is like even if you stay for a week, like, going to Paris, uh, aside from doing the touristy things and being like, yeah, it was a tourist in Paris, um, it's just life, just like anywhere else. And those rich people don't have any more fun than she did. She stayed in their house. She did whatever, you know, was around. But but the thing is, is, like, when people go to other places, they don't have more fun than they do in life normally. But a lot They're goes just, wrong for Francis. They just get to say they were in Paris. Yeah, and that's what Francis, find, Francis finds out, too. But she was completely broke and didn't know anybody who was willing to hang out with her. Whereas those people that the rich guys. Yeah, rich people have a ball in Paris. And they're hey, loaded. Guess what? That happens to me sometimes here. Sometimes I'm just at home doing nothing because everybody I want to hang out with is busy working oh, or something. But Rob, can I say something? I, I read a rich, acid, black vein of humor, class-based humor. In the very idea of a weekend trip to Paris from America, well, everyone yeah, no, knows it's, it's a stupid idea. It is idea. kind of silly. You don't, yeah. but it's all she can afford to do is fly for a weekend to Paris, have one day which gets eaten up by jet lag, and then has to go home again. I think that's acid black about 
class, uh, kind of the class that a lot of post-recession graduates find themselves in. Well, I think that's mostly just Francis kind of uh, not really having figured out the normal world yet. I think it's her last Is that grasp at the world she wants. In At the end of the trip, she learns that, okay... I just got to settle down and do my thing. I mean, Take like the job I said. that was offered me at the school where <laughs> I can do what I love, though I'm not doing what I really want to do with what I love. I can still do it and just chill. And well, I think that's what France taught her. Well, here's, or yes, that's the thing is like transitioned. And into. that's what that final. And that's sh- Francis. Ha. And that's what that final shot is about. Because <laughs> ha. And that's France is <laughs> laughable. And that's what that final shot is about is. Um, her not being able to fit her name in the box, right? She doesn't fit in the box, but she can take part of herself and put it in the box and part of herself and let it be outside of the box. Oh, wait, can I? So let's let's meet here because this uh, may be uh, the closest uh. we meet. I agree, even though I have my own way of coming at it, which is kind of this idea of a mistake, a graceful mistake, because uh, I suppose she always could have written it smaller. Uh, but... But I agree. It's it's fitting. Wait, written it smaller. It's about oh, oh, like you're about using it's a about coming to enjoy a life that's different from the expectations you had for yourself, and kind of about yeah, just like shoehorning yourself into a place. But it's about being happy. I think it's not about this kind of miserable grind. It's about uh, self sustenance. Right. And all those posturing rich people who have the apartment in France and the, uh, her friend getting married when she doesn't really want to get married, all that stuff. It's basically saying, like, well, these people aren't happy. They're just fitting themselves into the box. If you don't fit yourself into the box, you're more likely to be happy because you get to do what you want. But, you know, I, but you know what? I'll at least speak on behalf of Sophie. I think she's rich enough that she's struggling against it, too. We're all struggling in our little right. boxes. But when drunk, she confides to Francis what she really wants, which is to leave Duder and then come back to New York. But she doesn't even remember having done that, and therefore she doesn't do it because she's just shoehorning herself into a box. She's not actually interested in being herself. Francis is, and therefore there's this part of her that fits outside the box, so she indulges it and then fits into the box just to be stable enough to have the freedom to do it. But she's Francis with different hair. Maybe she's just making her own bad decisions. It's it's about characters making bad decisions and eventually learning no, to no, make no, no, fewer no, no, bad decisions. No, no, no. The 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 uh, she's or the same not. person as me with different. Or hair. none at all. None at no, all no, is no. ideal. The, she's the same person as me with different hair. It was just basically, friend. That that's an early on colloquialism that she stops using, post the time she goes to Paris, um, which basically says, "Hey, look." Before, I was using you to define who I was. Now I'm actually defining who I am. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm I'm just saying there's probably more to Sophie than just this kind of person who's settling. I mean, who knows? She might divorce the guy in a year. Or maybe she's she's just got a stormy kind of love. I think it's very explicit. You got a stormy kind of love. We don't know. And these characters are richly portrayed. (laughs) No, No, I think it's very explicit that... She is doing what she doesn't want to do. When she's drunk, she's willing to confess what she really wants. And then when she's sober the next morning, she doesn't remember it. And Francis runs after her, wanting to tell her what she said, basically, or to find out if she remembers what she said or if she's going to do what she said she was going to do. Then we cut to Francis going, fuck it, and i got to like figure out my own life. What do you think, Randy? 
What do you think, Brady? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I think wait, you're wait, right. Interrupt, Brady. What do you think, Brandy? You shouldn't interrupt, Brady. That's Brady, what, what do you think, Brady? Don't interrupt, Rob, Grandy. <laughs> what do you think, Rob? <laughs> I just told you what I thought. Oh, I mean, I'm with you, and all that stuff is correct. I'm just saying it's it's a thorny character. I I really like their interplay, so, you know, I, th- I think there's something thorny to Sophie. I don't know if I have her pegged. Well, wasn't that just good for you? Being able to associate an individual character with both good and bad attributes as opposed to them being definitely this or them being definitely that. Oh, a peg. Now I just need a tiny wooden hammer. What does that even mean? Oh, Wilson. You understand. I'm not Wilson, House. I'm House. Oh, yes, House. I'm Wilson. I don't know. We got to get back to this. Wilson doesn't have a. <laughs> let's. <laughs> Wait, so I guess we're in to understudy already. Okay, let's go. go play a little game called. Let's go. Hi, folks. All right, so let's go play a little <laughs> game called Plot Lines, and we'll be back in a moment. I am DB. No, I'm DB. Brady, you got to get up on your mic to be ready for this. I am ready for this. An interstellar transportation device found in Egypt leads to a planet with humans. Rob. Stargate. Yes. Hmm. Nice, yes. Rob. One. And we're playing to five, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds good. Your eyes are closed, right, Brady? <laughs> are yours? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not looking over there. Close your eyes. <laughs> you need a he- set of headphones like me so that you don't hear things through the real world. You just hear things through the your plugged-in headphones. That would be nice. We should do that. I used to try and do that, but then Tess got all freaked out and just like, I don't want to wear headphones. All right. Movie number two. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yep. Two, te- two teenage couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas, searching for urban legends of murder, end Brady up Larson? as prison. Final destination. End up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. <sighs> Rob. Um, Children of the Corn. No. Can I guess again, no, we can Brady? W- no, we can, can, we, can, we, we can start it over if we both agree. I agree. I agree. Brady. Do you want me to restart? No, Brady. Uh-huh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. And then continue reading from the beginning. Two teenage couples traveling across the backwoods of Texas, searching for urban legends of murder, end up as prisoners of a bizarre and sadistic backwater family of serial killers. Rob. The hills have eyes. No. <laughs> Brady. All right. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I think it's over. It's o- okay, it's right. over. Right. Well, no, we failed enough. I'm interested to see what you two guesses. Okay, House so of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Too bad. Too doesn't bad count. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so we're cut off at two. I, no, that's fair. So it's one to zero. Yeah, you're still up. Yeah, we're not caught up. No, no, you're <laughs> still up. I'm up. We're not caught up. Right, are you already again? Yes. Right. Everybody close your eyes. After Brady's discovering that an asteroid the size of Brady. Texas. Brady, Armageddon. 
Yes. Wow. You got that, like, with your eyes closed? Astro the size of Texas. Yes, I did. Yes, but, I mean, you My were like, <laughs> before we even said Texas. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess it could have been Deep Impact, but really. Are you guys Arm again ready again? No one remembers Deep Impact. Oh, even wait, with Morgan. I remember, I remember Deep Impact. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> it's really funny hearing it in your own ears through a mixer. Alright, are you ready for the next one? <laughs> yes. A psychotic murderer institutionalized. Rob. Halloween. Yes. Yeah! <laughs> Wait, from what year? 70s? Uh, yeah, 78. Right, that says yep. House of Dracula. Yeah, 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 but Halloween. Uh. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they've got little mini ones down in the. That's great. Two to one. Below. All right, get uh, another one. Brady, your eyes should be closed. My eyes are closed. You shouldn't be able to see anything like, that says Dracula <laughs> on his screen. <laughs> okay. Like you saw the screen saying Halloween. All right, all right. Um, I'm blind now. <laughs> no, Brady, stop. It's good, Brady. Uh, are you ready going. for this next one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the dwarves, along with Bill Baggins. The you Hobbit. Have like about uh huh. That's what. Continue. Oh, um, an unexpected journey. And Gandalf the Grey continue their the quest. The Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug. Nobody called in for that one. Or Brady, The Hobbit: Desolation of Smaug. Uh, congratulations, sir. <laughs> uh, Fucking Christ. <laughs> two to two. <laughs> I'm coming for your wig. Hey, uh, Grandy, do hook for the next one. Brady? <laughs> <laughs> hook? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay, and then the next one. Uh. <laughs> it's really weird being blind. I know, right? It's weird seeing nothing but not blackness but redness. Yeah, it's more of a redness. It's not blackness. It's just redness. Uh, and what you really hear in there is rednecks. <laughs> not blackness. It's rednecks. <laughs> Fuck you, blood. I stab you, blood. I will stab you. 
All right, uh, and uh, are you ready for the next one? Yeah. The insomniac office worker looking for a way to change Brady his life across Brady, Brady, Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three to two. Oh, shit. I was just paralyzed by thinking about what I've said and having to edit it later. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you're gonna have to edit, or you're just gonna you're gonna have a lot of. <laughs> I'm gonna have a lot of explaining to do if I don't edit this episode. My girlfriend might listen to it in a year and a half. Okay, are you like, ready for this next one? Yes. A medical engineer and an astronaut work together Rob. to survive. Gravity. Yes. Nice, Rob. Uh, are you ready for the next one? Yes. 3-3. Three, three. Left for dead on a sun-scorched planet, Riddick finds himself Brady. up against... Um, who, wait, who, who buzzed in? You got to say her name. Rob was first. Um, 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 Riddick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Four to three. A group of ex explorers makes use of a newly discovered wormhole to suppress the limitations on human space travel and conquer the vast distance Brady? involved. Contact? No. In an interstellar voyage. Request to hear again. Approved a Brady. group of explorers yeah. make use of a newly discovered wormhole to surpass the limitations on human space travel and conquer the vast distances involved in an interstellar voyage. Rob? Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, I might mention that uh, this was movie was made in 2014. So it might be a future movie. <laughs> in this uh, case, explaining why you don't know which one it Star is. Star Trek. Uh, Deep Space Nine. Oh, no. Interstellar is what it's called. Oh, okay. The new Chris Nolan movie. Yeah. Uh, Grandy, we need another movie. How about the story of three friends who are tragically born to lead short lives and the love triangle that forms between them Brady? and their... Jules said Jim. No. <laughs> forms between them in their brief time together. Uh, start over. The Brady, approve? Yeah, I approve. Okay. The story of three friends who are tragically born Brady. to lead short lives and the love triangle that forms between them Brady? in their brief time together. Brady, never let me go? Yes. Okay, wow. Well, what's that make the score? Four, four. 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 Oh. Ooh, nice. This is a good da -na. one. Okay. A recently slain cop joins a team of undead Rob. police officers. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, that'll throw a wrench in it. <laughs> Robocop. Uh, joins a team of undead police officers working for the rest for the rest in peace department and tries Brady? to find the R.I.P.D. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and tries to find the, the man who is that? I have him. not heard of this ever before <laughs> in my life. 2013, 5.6 stars. Uh, With Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges. Awesome. And I have no intention of seeing it, <laughs> but I know it exists. 
What? <laughs> I went on a populist movie. Yeah, baby. What the fuck is that movie existing? Ooh, That's Why? one to Did you have the worst right. taste, taste uh, uh, of all people ever. So what happened to my beer, Rob? Did you steal it? Hey, folks, we are back, and uh, we want to have a little more discussion on the film, and then uh, no, no, no. Then we'll get into Third next week. Third part's always um, we decide what uh, film we're going to watch next week. We just talked about this up top, man. We've only talked about Paris so far. we got to give him a little more top. on this up top. Fives. I don't know what we're high-fiving, but what matters is that we're celebrating. Okay, so what you're talking about up top? Uh, well, we were talking about maybe we... Could we get a little, just a little bit more into maybe a scene that like stood out to you in this film? Yeah, well, what we were talking about up top. How about that? Oh, how about this? This is an idea, and I'll try to be brief because I know I'm verbose. Up top. Up top. Up top. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, everyone. Say up top one more time. Up top. Up top. I don't not I'm just celebrating. Yeah. Anymore. I'm so tired of partying. <laughs> I just want to hang, a, have a cool kickback with a couple of friends. Okay, so <laughs> how about this? Because uh, we are short on time. Everyone, we're short on time. Stop it! It's <laughs> making me laugh. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I'll cut this out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so here's an idea. I know I always say that. Here's an idea. Um, everyone, pick a scene in the film other than one we've discussed, and we've only discussed one, the Paris trip, and kind of say why you liked the scene and what it meant in the movie to you. Uh, so the scene I think we should talk about probably is the first big long scene of her initial relationship with like her best friend in all the world because they really had a deep or a seemingly very deep loving relationship and it really uh portrayed that well throughout a pretty good amount of time um and that's really what kicks off this entire movie and what it is that's a great scene like when she's peeing on the subway and then like oh fuck the subway's not there we got a taxi home like that's such like 20 something dumb shit like i've i have been there i've goddamn been there <laughs> 2 weeks ago You've been there two weeks ago? <laughs> no, but like, but seriously, like, that's the kind of thing you do when you're young. Mm. I don't know if that's true. It's the kind of thing you did when we were young. Oh, to be clear, I've never peed off of subway train. <laughs> no, I've never peed off a subway Make sure platform. You don't touch the third rail. <laughs> or yeah, see, you would be there saying that to yeah. Brady. Exactly. So it's realistic. But it's about, right. you know, when like <laughs> when you're dumb enough to do a thing and all of a sudden you have to pay for a taxi ride because of it, like a big taxi ride. That's like kind of young, reckless, but like very truthful behavior. All right, Brady. So what's your scene? Um, I guess I'll, I'll go with the one that I wanted to talk about because I never realized until the second viewing how well that it's set up. In fact, I just remembered its payoff at the end of the movie. 
So basically, the second to last scene of the movie, before we get to Frances finally moving into her own place and kind of the final grace note of the film, is she actually gets to finally have a dance Wait, recital. she moves into her own place? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the scene I'm talking about, but at the end of the film, she gets her own place. Oh, and that's when she reads her... Oh, oh yeah. I didn't realize it was because she And then she, she sticks Frances Ha in the mailbox thing. Yeah, that, yeah no, that's realize, what happens. I, okay, I didn't realize that it was because she moved into her own place, though. Yeah, it is. You know, she, she had oh, well, never no. had her own place ever before that. Well, she was I knew that part. I just thought that we ended the film Rich with friends. her never having her own place. Why would she stick her name in someone else's mailbox slot? I guess to be a fucker. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. you just thought she was just like, this mail, this jury summons belongs to me. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. I'm going to your jury summons. Actually, that, that's not why, but it was just mostly, you know, like uh, me just not paying attention to the fact that she got a new thing and being like, uh, she got a new something. But uh, she's writing her name on a piece of paper, and here's the super artsy scene. Oh, it doesn't fit in the box. Yeah, it was her trapper keeper <laughs> name slot. Yeah, and it didn't fit in the box, man. Mm-mm. But yeah, no. But I got the thing that they, that the filmmaker intended me to to get. I just didn't get the obvious thing that everyone else gets. <laughs> this is a great scene, and uh, it's not the scene I wanted to talk about. <laughs> So right, I'll just count that as my scene because that's the only thing I can remember. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, so the scene before that, she f- has her first dance recital as a private person. She's forced to leave the company and isn't able to, you know, pursue her career track in the normal corporate way, whatever corporate means in the dance world. She's not allowed to stay with her, her professor, but she takes kind of a side job as a waitress or something like that. And she does her dance on the side and finally has her first recital, which is a big moment of, you know, independence, but also compromise, which I think is important. It's like the movie's all about this idea of finding grace in mistakes, you know, finding a happy medium behind, you know, our highest ideals and maybe the kind of lower things we have to do. Uh, And so in that moment, she's talking with someone who's clearly like a professional in the industry and she spies Sophie across the room and they kind of share this smile between each other. And what I never noticed before is at the midpoint of the movie, she has a discussion with these rich people at a party where she says she wants that moment with a romantic person, with a, a boy she might find. And so, yeah, it's this kind of... And I think that's about compromise, too. Like, well, she... I think Francis will find a man in the end, but this is a moment of compromise. I have this with this person who's my friend. And I've you know got a moment I can be proud of for now, and... The rest will just have to come later. For now, I'm Francis Ha. Cool. Well, I think I said all the things I want to say about this film, and we got to move on to the uh, part three, where we actually choose the next film. Does anybody else have anything to say? Grandy? Brady? No. Let's do it. Yeah. Watch it. It's a good watch. All right. So what are we watching next week? I mean... I'll I'll just keep on with the theme of uh, movies from this year. Uh, I really would like to see Blue is the Warmest Color again. Uh, and it's available on Netflix now, which that's pretty crazy. I think we should stay away from doing too many movies this year. Otherwise, we'd just do um, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, which uh, we're watching Yeah, we're seeing tomorrow. that tomorrow in yeah. theaters. Well, I mean, by the time they listen to this, it'll be a week ago. We're seeing that uh, a week yeah. ago. Yeah, this is old news. Yeah, right? 
Grandy might come with us, right? 8.30 tomorrow? Yeah, MC 16? It's very likely. Cool. But I'm being non All right. So if we do see that, we should just all talk about that next week, and then we don't even have to do this as soon on what Sunday. What was your vote for a video, Grady? Um, I was going for Blue is the Warmest Color, uh, the, the very graphic lesbian I relationship mean, I mean, if you want to come back again, Grandy, like, but you really just got to watch really, like, NC-17 rated lesbian sexual scenes. <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's quite a chore. That's what's in that movie, for the oh. most part. Or so I've heard. No, no, it, it's, it's actually. I mean, I'm playing footsie with Brady right now. It's not that big a part of it. Actually, what Brady and I are doing right now is way more sexual than any part of that film. It's not consensual <laughs> but you can't though. See it because, um, uh, <laughs> because. Now, but the sex scenes are only like ten minutes long. It's but like, very sensual. They're memorable. No, it's very sensual. What it I'm is doing, what I'm doing to you right oh, now. Oh, what you're doing to me? Yeah. Um, surprised yeah. you agree with him, Brady? Yeah, I mean, I'm rubbing my leg up your. Yeah, no, he's. He's about as he's as sensual as Genghis Khan. He is. Are you pretending that I'm not actually doing this? Because I don't actually have to do this to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna stop doing it now. All right, Rob. So, oh wait, no, so Brandy. I'm rubbing my leg up Brady's leg. Wait, you know, so it's, it's harder to, all right, to narrate when you're not actually doing it. Okay, hold on. We've got Blues, the Warmer Scholar, Wolf of Wall Street. Grandy gets a pick. Are those both from? Like this, this year, year? yes. Yeah. Uh, I pick. They might be giants. The uh, the movie, the one that they might be giants got is it, there. Is it out right now? From, actually, it's quite old. Uh, from it's what a, year? It's kind of a Sherlock Holmesy kind of movie. From what year? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sixties, seventies, eighties, old. <laughs> <laughs> Not this year. I tell you that. I don't think the reason I'm asking you is because I don't think there's a movie titled as such. Internets. I mean, it's an hour and a half long movie that we yeah. could watch. For movie, this movie, podcast. not done by the Might Be Giants at all. Really? Uh, I almost promised, but I turned uh, off my phone for the podcast, so I don't have it. So. Uh, you're going to have to pull this up. How you doing there, Brady? I'm doing well. Oh, you want to talk into the mic for this conversation? Uh, well, I'm trying to get better about... Hey, he hit me in the face with the mic. You all saw it. Wait. Ah, oh, fuck. Why can't we do a webcast? Mom? Yeah, so it was done in 1971. Seventies. That's the best decade for filmmaking. All right. Well then, uh, and I uh, vote for that. <laughs> okay, I'll vote for that too. <laughs> okay, we're the watching, synopsis but we're still is. Gonna uh, see wait, what's the synopsis? They might be giants. Is a, a nineteen seventy one film based on a play of the same name, starring George C. Scott and Jonah Woodward. Occasionally cited really? mistakenly as a Broadway play, and never in fact opened in the USA. That's not a synopsis. That's what they say on You know, George C. Scott, one of my favorite actors, that sounds bomb. And Joanna (laughs) Woodward, she's good. I finally saw her in a thing. It's a ridiculously awesome movie, just like you'd think They Might Be Giants would 
get their name from. Wait, I, I like, uh, the movie that is you great. Were, like talking about a documentary. <laughs> no, about they might be giant. No, it's it's where they might be giants got their wearing, name from. Yeah, no. You are uh, currently wearing a, a sweatshirt that says. We'd be surprised TMBG that the shirt underneath the sweatshirt doesn't also say TMBG. <laughs> It's not often. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's where they got their name from is that movie, which is a Sherlock's home thing, which is what? interesting. All right. Well, uh, okay. That's, that's our, that is our movie. Baby. I think I just won for loudest sound in the entire episode. What did? Just me going. What? They might be giants. Boy. They might be giants. Oh, shit. Greg Boy. just beat me. <laughs> they might be big. <laughs> <laughs> they might be bad. Woo. No, I totally yeah. already I already hit the uh, the peak possible that can be measured by the sound equipment. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in with us uh, and hopefully watching Francis Ha with us. If you didn't actually watch it, Dude, come on. Ha, 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 ha. Theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. This jury summons belongs to me. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. I'm going to your jury summons.